brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back to our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here's the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Hey, welcome to the show, everybody. We're going to be talking about gender identity. Gender identity. Uh, It's now called uh, gender dysphoria, and it used to be called the gender identity disorder. And, you know, you have to wonder, well, what the heck is this? Well, you know, this is something that is a fairly pervasive disorder in our society. There is a lot of people that have children uh, that question their gender identity. There's also a lot of adults who have always felt that they are of the opposite sex or parts of them are of the opposite sex. And there's other people that are attracted to uh, their own sex or the, and they feel like they are of the opposite sex. There's also people that are attracted to the opposite sex but also feel like the opposite sex. So this is a very uh, confusing disorder um, it, and it is treated in psychology and it is something that is treatable but it is something that also some people need to merge into that life and uh, you know we see a lot of people like Bruce Jenner where they actually convert uh, to the opposite sex. So you know there's a, a lot of talk about this nowadays because we see it on television. We see it out there in this world, and it is something that is live. And it is something also that uh, I see oftentimes in uh, counseling. So the fact is, is that this is a real struggle. And it may not be a struggle for you personally, but it is a struggle for these people's lives that do go through this identity crisis. You know, we have to wonder, what is this? Once, once again, gender dysphoria, gender identity disorder formally, is it's basically uh, defined by a strong, uh, persistent feelings of identification with the opposite gender and discomfort with the person's own assigned sex, which basically results in significant distress or impairment. And, you know, people with gender dysphoria desire to live as members of the opposite sex and often dress and use mannerisms associated with the other gender. You know, for instance, a a person identified as a boy may feel and act like a girl. And, uh, you know, identity issues may also manifest in a a whole bunch of different ways. For example, some people with normal genitals and secondary sex characteristics of one gender privately identify more with the other gender. Some may dress and clothes associated with the gender which they identify, and some may seek hormonal treatment or surgery as a part of a transition to living full-time in the experienced gender. And, uh, you know, many individuals with gender dysphoria become very socially isolated, and that's more about what the show is about. Also, and and it may not be uh, by choice, Um, they may just be ostracized, and they could be ostracized even by their own parents. And that that can really contribute to very low self-esteem, make make school uh, something they avert, uh, even dropping out. And, and peer ostracism and teasing are especially common consequences, especially for boys. You know, boys with gender dysphoria often show marked feminine mannerisms and speech patterns. And the disturbance really can be so pervasive that the, the lives of some individuals revolve only around activities 
that lessen gender distress. So they're often preoccupied with appearance, especially early into this transition into living to the opposite sex role. You know, relationships with parents become seriously impaired. Some males uh, with with, uh, gender dysphoria resort to uh, self-treatment with hormones, and, and they may sometimes, rarely, uh, perform their own castration. And and so especially in, in urban places, some males may actually engage in, in prostitution and placing them in a very high-risk situation and, uh, and uh, possibly getting uh, HIV. You know, suicide attempts and substance-related disorders are also very common in this lifestyle. So, you know, children with gender, gender dysphoria, if adults wrap their heads around it and actually embrace the idea that they are having uh, gender identity problems, uh, embrace it and get them into therapy and try to help them, not to convert them, but to try to understand what is really going on. Because that understanding, and instead of being reactive, is how you can get them to balance themselves. Some people do this gender dysphoria thing because they get attention by it. Others, uh, other children may do, and adults may do it from a sense that um, that's how they feel at the time. You know, some people actually grow through it and don't identify themselves in, in that lifestyle, but they struggle with confusion. You know, a lot of kids uh, practice or not practice, but actually have sex with the same sex or opposite sex or do sexual acts as children uh, exploring their sexuality in a way that uh, is thrilling to them and it also confuses them. And so sometimes this uh, confusion turns into a lifestyle for them and uh, some maybe they think it's safer, maybe it's what they become familiar with and then they embrace that as who they are. Others, they really feel this way. So, you know, differentiating that and embracing the idea and trying to talk it through and calmly working through these thoughts, you're going to find that you have a much better chance of a child or an adult coming to grips with what they really want. You know, adolescents are very particularly at risk for depression, suicidal ideation, and suicide attempts if this is a great secret. And so we want to really get in front of it. Also, you know, adults may display anxiety and depressive symptoms. Uh, Some adult males have a history of a transvestic fetishism such as uh, you know pedophilias like underwear and and wearing bras and wearing female clothing underneath their clothing Uh, also some personality disorders are sometimes tied to this but more common among males than females um, that at least the ones that have been evaluated and and tested in several studies so here's some symptoms you know they express uh, children express the desire to be the opposite sex They have disgust with their own genitals. They believe that they will grow up to become the opposite sex. They feel they're rejected by their peer group and feel isolated. They have depression. They have anxiety. Now, in adults, some of the symptoms is they desire to live as a person of the opposite sex. And that doesn't mean that they're attracted uh, to their own sex. It's just a sense of identification. Also, some wish to be rid of their own genitals. Some wish to dress in a way that is typical of the opposite sex. They feel isolated. They have anxiety, much like the children. And they, uh, to be clinically diagnosed with this, they must persistently and strongly identify with the opposite gender, aside from desiring 
any perceived cultural advantage of being the other gender. And also, they have to uh, have a persistent discomfort with their own sexual traits and sense of inappropriateness of the gender associated with those traits. They, so they have to have a strong discomfort with their own gender. And they may express these qualities. You know, with boys, it's disgust with their own genitals, a belief that genitals will disappear or it would be uh, preferable not to have a penis or a rejection of uh, male activities such as rough and tumble play, games, toys, sports. You know, with girls, rejection of urinating in a seated position is often seen. Also claims that a penis will appear. Uh, they, they, they often have a strong dislike for typical female clothing. And in adolescents and in adults and girls, this is manifested basically by symptoms such as a preoccupation with getting rid of their uh, primary and secondary sex uh, characteristics such as uh, requests for hormone surgery, procedures, uh, physically alter sex characteristics, or belief that one was born the wrong sex. Um, also, um, to diagnose it, 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 um, it can't be concurrent with a physical... Uh, intersex condition, and it also uh, it has to be something that is causing significant distress in their life. Um, you know, what is the cause? What is the cause of uh, this gender identification issue? And uh, there's no, um, ho- you know, hormonal influences have been suspected to be involved, but there's been no testing that's actually identified that that's what's taking place in the womb. Also, you know, this condition is very rare, so it's hard to uh, uh, test for because basically one in about 30,000 males feels this way and one in about uh, 100,000 females feel this way. You know, so the onset of cross-gender interests and activities is usually between two to four years. And some parents report that their child has always had cross-gender interests. You know, uh, only small number of children with gender dysphoria will continue to have symptoms in later adolescence or childhood. So typically children are referred around the time of school entry because of parental concern that they may get teased or be uh, isolated out of the rest of the other children's population. Also also with adults, onset is typically in early to mid-adulthood, usually after uh, they have uh, transvestic fetishism. That means they want to be basically a transvestite. And so, uh, you know, there's basically two different courses of development. The first is typically late adolescence or adulthood. It, it's a continuation of this identification with the opposite sex and becoming the opposite sex. You know, the other course is more, you know, basic, very overt signs of cross-gender identification where they appear later and more gradually with more of a clinical presentation coming about in mid-adulthood and sometimes it comes about uh, in early adulthood. But usually this comes very slowly and they're not pursuing that, that operation or that hormonal treatment. They just want to feel like the opposite sex. So you'll often see uh, uh, as you travel, if you ever travel or go on a cruise or something, you'll see a male dressed as a female with his wife. And so this is kind of how they operate. This is how it is. And this actually has been something that used to be 
uh, fairly accepted in European populations where men would often dress as women or women would sometimes dress as men where they would feel better, but they would do it in their private or they do it at parties. Um, but it, it used to be a basic fetish that they would uh, relish. Um, you know, males with gender dysphoria are, are, uh, who are attracted to males tend to present in adolescence and early childhood because they have that attraction for the same sex. And so they want to become the opposite sex to be accepted by the same sex. They, they don't want to be gay. They want to be an actual female in the male's eyes. Um, this is also the case for females where they want to become a, uh, a male in the female's eyes. And this is very, very important to them. You know, so we have to explore some questions, you know, you know, like what is the psychological meaning of transgender and, and basically how is it different or related to sexual orientation? You know, transgender basically refers to having a gender identity that differs from one's own uh, sexual assignment at birth. So gender, gen gender identity actually refers to the basic conviction of being a man, a woman, or other gender, like a bi-gender or a gender queer or gender questioning or gender non-conforming uh, sexual orientation. So it refers to one's own sexual attraction, sexual behavior, emotional attachments to men or women or both. And I know this is all fairly confusing. But we also have to wonder, do you know, do all people whose gender uh, differs from their sex assigned at birth identi uh, identity as transgender or, or take steps to transition socially? Why or why not? Well, you know, some gender people do transition and others don't. So transition is not for everyone that has this particular disorder. Transition refers to a change in gender role. So this may not be a major change, identifying and presenting as, a, uh, as, as much as a possible member of the opposite sex. But hormone therapy and surgery to feminize or masculinize the body may be a part of that. So some uh, a change in gender role may be also a part-time thing and involve changes in some other parts. So it, maybe it's kind of like a game or a sense of identity where they do it in certain places, like when they travel, when they're not held accountable for it. So they do it in their off times when they're away from people that are familiar with them. So this is a very... Uh, confusing thing that these people have and it's very hard for them to struggle with this gender identity you know so you know if you have a parent if you're a parent and have a child that has this particular uh, gender nonconformity issue uh, first of all parents should give the child permission to explore gender and indicate that this is something that you are comfortable learning about and discussing. So you're an open door for them. You know, also, I would encourage parents to educate themselves using the many resources available today, both online, offline. Also consider uh, talking with other family members, other families, other children who are uh, gender nonconforming. You know, I'd also encourage parents to obtain clinical consultation from a provider that is knowledgeable about transgender health when one or both of the following situations arise, like the child appears to be uh, negatively affected by uh, the stigma of gender nonconformity, or they're showing some signs 
an experience of gender dysphoria, which refers to distress that they may experience as a result of conflict between sex assignment at birth and gender identity roles. So if they're confused and they want to explore it, be open to that. Be open to it because if you push it back, what's going to happen is they're going to rebel. And they're becoming more isolated and less understanding. And they may go in a gender identity direction that is to become the opposite sex simply as a statement that they were never heard. And that is the wrong reason to go into that direction. You know, you have to wonder how how media has contributed to awareness and education about uh, being transgender. And and through the years, increased media attention has helped to raise awareness and foster public uh, knowledge on transgender people's lives and experiences and uh, the di- diversity. You know, in recent years, media attention has been more frequent and less sensational. Instead of offering, uh, it's offered some positive role models. It's also affirmed gender identity and gender di- diversity. You know, society still does not really accommodate uh, gender diversity Um, But what it has done is at least have a dialogue with it, which has been a very good thing. And I'm hoping that more embracement of that lifestyle will become a discussion that people have. Because once again, you really want people that go into a transgender life uh, basically because they have the right motives. But if they become a rebel and this becomes who they are. And, and that's what their life is, is just becoming a woman or becoming a man. They lose substance as a human being. And that's not what we want. That's not what we want in this life. And a lot of people have moved into gender identity crises because of the attention they've gotten rather than the true desire, the true desire to become that. And so that's where the arguments are, and that's where the problems are with gender identity. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, and we're going to explore a little bit more of the fetishism, and then we're going to talk about some ways of treating. We're also going to talk about causes. So come back. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. and connected on our lively award-winning healthy living power hour star style be the star you are with hosts cynthia bryan and heather Brittany. live every wednesday at 4 p.m pacific on the voice america empowerment channel tune in to the power party for positive uplifting life-changing talk radio visit starstyleradio.com
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. You know, it's amazing. Um, I, I was just talking to our engineer uh, just a minute ago, and I just thought this would be a good thing to bring up, is that a lot of teenagers will focus very strongly on gender identity at a very young age, and, and they realize that, that, number one, they get a lot of attention, but they, be, they become very absolute in their discussion about it. What they basically do is they'll say, this is who I am, this is how I'm going to be, this is what I'm all about, when they really don't even know who they really are as a person. They, they haven't got to know themselves, and I would suggest that most people don't really come into this uh, you know, head over heels. They come into this gradually. They, it, it, it kind of blooms in them. And that's the deal. That's when you know it's more legitimate. But when they get all hot and crazy and defensive about it, I think it's more of an attention-getting mechanism. And so you have to, you have to really kind of understand how to play it. You know, if they're, if they're going to make this who they are, then don't make a big Broadway production because all you're doing to do is isolate them into that perspective of staying there. Now, let's talk about breaking this out a little bit because there is a thing called transvestic fetishism. And this is where cross-dressing occurs for sexual pleasure. But the transvestite does not identify with the opposite sex. And so I know that sounds confusing, but it just turns them on to put on female clothing. There's also uh, transsexualism. And that should also not be confused with uh, the behavior of drag queens or uh, drag kings. Also, uh, transvestic fetishism usually has little, if anything, to do with transsexualism. As a general rule, transsexual people tend to dress and behave in a manner that's consistent with the gender with which they identify. So once again, people have fetishes to wear clothing of the opposite sex, but that's not their attraction. Okay, also, people with gender identity disorder frequently report their feelings as having always been there. And in the disorder, it can be evident in early childhood. Most people know whether they have a gender identity problem by the time they reach adolescence, which would be somewhere around eight or nine years old. And also, in some cases, it can appear in adulthood because they repress it, repress it, repress it, because it's so, the environment they're in as a family is so against uh, what they feel. Also, a person with a a gender identity problem, a gender dysphoria, is a person who strongly identifies with the opposite sex. The, The individual may identify with the opposite sex to the point of believing that they are, in fact, a member of the opposite sex who is trapped in the wrong body. And how sad is that? You know, adults with gender identity disorder sometimes live their whole lives 
as members of the opposite sex, but they tend to be uncomfortable living in the world as a member of their own uh, biologic and genetic sex. And they often cross-dress and prefer to be seen in public as a member of the opposite sex. Some people with disorder basically request uh, surgery. But, you know, once again, this may not mean that they're attracted to their own sex. It just means that they feel that they're a woman or they feel that they're a man and they want to be that. But they may still be, for instance, if they want to become a man, they still may be attracted to uh, a man. And that can be confusing. Also, uh, there are two basic components uh, that have to pre- present to make a diagnosis of gender identity. There must be evidence of a very strong and persistent uh, gender identification, which is the desire to be uh, in, 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 insisting on becoming the opposite sex. Also, cross-gender identification can't merely be a desire for any perceived cultural advantages of being the opposite sex. So they don't want to become the opposite sex because they get all these benefits of being the opposite sex. It's about what's in their soul, what's in, what's in who they are, how they identify with themselves. Also, this disorder can affect children, adolescents, adults, individuals, um, of all kinds. They believe they are or should be the opposite sex. They are uncomfortable with their sexual role, their organs, and they have an expressed desire to, to alter their bodies. While not all the people do this um, are uh, transsexuals, there, there are those who determine to undergo sex change or, and have done so, but some people just don't. Some people just repress it and live in the gender they're in. You know, many transgender people do not regard their cross-gender uh, feelings and behaviors as a disorder. They question what a normal gender identity is or a normal gender role is supposed to be because this is normal for them. And sometimes even the very existence of a normal gender identity or gender role is, is uh, examined by them and rejected by them and they feel rejected. So what they're basically saying is, you know, I feel like a woman, but I dress like a man, but I am a man. Uh, Or I feel like a man, but I'm a woman. And uh, that's just the way it is. And so for them, that's normal. Now, what all of us feel is normal is that I am a man and I have the equipment as a man, or I am a woman and I have the equipment as a woman. So it's very confusing to understand this, that their normal is to feel as if they are the opposite sex. And so, um, basically, in, in children, the disturbance basically becomes, comes about repeatedly. And you start hearing them talk like that. You start seeing how they identify that. And uh, you may see boys cross-dressing or uh, wearing uh, uh, simulating female uh, clothing. And girls, sometimes you see them wearing only stereotypical masculine clothing. And there's usually strong and persistent preferences for uh, cross-sex roles and uh, make-believe play, persistent fantasies of being the opposite sex, their intense desire to participate in stereotypical games, pastimes of the opposite sex. Uh, So sometimes uh, there's a a strong preference for playmates of the opposite sex. In boys, there's usually a assertion that their penis or or testes are disgusting. And and so we want to look for those signs. But we, you know, for them, this is normal. For them, this is 
them struggling. And we as parents have to understand that if they have this issue, we have to go after it. We have to help them by not rejecting, but embracing and exploring. All right. So, you know, what are some of the causes? You know, uh, you know, some uh, it's been studies, some young male children who lack uh, eye hand coordination and are not confident playing sports, don't join male peers and athletic activities because they feel like they'll be rejection. And, and this rejection can be subtle. And that the boys who are not proficient in sports may not be invited to join the team, the last one picked, or a major form of male bonding in childhood doesn't take place. And so simply because they can't help the team. So the fear of rejection often leads them to turn to girls for friendship. And so sometimes this social, uh, the fact that they start not being able to socially identify as a boy or as a girl, they identify more as a girl, or they uh, show signs that they're weak in their gender, they sometimes are socially placed in a category where they're only accepted by the opposite gender. And I know that's very confusing, but, uh, you know, also they found that a lot of boys uh, who had the absence of a father role model in the home can contribute to some of these boys uh, developing uh, identity confusion. Also with females, the lack of identity of a female role model, a mother, uh, is sometimes seen and that leads to the gender dysphoria. You know, a less common cause is that uh, some males have who have a, like a, a very powerful artistic and creative gifts that leading to a strong attraction uh, uh, attraction to the beauty in the female world and the identity with femininity so the artistic response can begin early and lead to a desire to be a female because they identify more with female traits coming from an artistic perspective you know, a, a parent wanting a child to be of the opposite sex and dresses and treats a boy as a girl or a girl as a, a shemale. You know, some boys uh, act in feminine manners because they perceive their fathers as giving preferential treatment to an older sister. Or by acting like a sister, they unconsciously hope to gain more attention and acceptance of the fathers. So, once again, sometimes this is environmentally created because of the social norms that we have in society and the lack of acceptance of something that is outside of it. Kind of like watching Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. All right. Now, you know, uh, gender identity and young girls can develop the desire to please a parent as well as the lack of acceptance by same-sex peers. So this results in low self-esteem and later self-hatred, failure to attach securely to identify with, let's say, a mother or any other female. So these young girls have no support. And so they don't learn how to become a woman. You know, many young females who don't identify with their own femininity are called, you know, tomboys, and they're overly involved in, in boy activities, and they can be very difficult, uh, have a very hard time identifying with their own sex in school or in play. And so this can become who they are, and that's because it's become a, a part of their social norm. You know, in addition, in a culture in which young females are influenced to think that their femininity is determined primarily by their bodies, 
you know, girls can develop a very negative view of themselves if their bodies don't fit the cultural model of being thin or being a beautiful woman. And and then also the lack of acceptance by female peers and hatred of one's own body and ultimately of one's own femininity can develop. And so some of these females meet uh, basically a criteria that they don't accept their body. They do, They don't like their body. Because it doesn't fit what society feels is attractive for their gender. And so many oftentimes resort to falling into the idea of being of the opposite sex. And this will give them more social acceptance in their minds. You know, so here's here's some troubles that come about. You know, boys who exhibit symptoms before they enter school are, are more likely to be just unhappy and lonely and isolated in elementary school. And they often suffer from separation anxiety, depression, behavioral problems become targets and, and victimized by bullies and even pedophiles, by the way. And often they experience same-sex attraction in adolescence if they engage in homosexual activity. And that is because they want to be accepted by their own gender. And yet they feel less than. And they're more likely uh, than boys who do not to be involved in, in drug and alcohol abuse or even prostitution. And they're also a greater risk to attempt suicide. And so to uh, contract, you know, by contracting, let's say, a sexual disease. And so uh, they also can develop a very serious uh, psychological disorder as an adult because they don't identify well with their own sex. And that may not be that they don't uh, feel like their own sex. It's that they aren't identified by their own sex because they're seen as different or weak or out of place. And so this can cause gender identity problems, especially at a very young age, especially when they're coming through in their sexual uh, puberty. You know, a loving and compassionate approach to these kind of kids is is what's needed. And uh, health professional, people that are mental health, uh, do this. They do this work. And you really want to get consultation on this if you're confused about it. You know, uh, you know a lot of studies have observed that fathers of uh, gender-disturbed boys tend to go along with their wives' tolerance of the cross-gender behaviors despite their discomfort with these. And these men are more often easily threatened and feel inadequate in themselves. And these qualities appear to make it very difficult for them to connect with their sons who display non-masculine behaviors. So they withdraw from their feminine sons and they often uh, deal with their conflicts by overwork or distancing themselves from families. So the, 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 the father's difficulty in expressing feelings and identifying with, let's say, an effeminate son or a mother identifying with a masculine girl and how do you how do you identify? Well, you have to empathize. You have to embrace the idea. You need to be cautious in, in choosing a mental health professional because you don't want that professional to uh, put them down or put them or identify the disorder without learning how to communicate to that child. You know, you don't want somebody that is very judgmental. You want to be somebody that is very open to discussing the ideas and teaching the parents how to communicate, especially those of the same sex of the child, to to be able to communicate and better form a relationship with this child because they become the role model. Once again, you don't want them going into a gender identity crisis because they're rebelling. You want them to do this because it's who they are. And that is the only good reason to go into this lifestyle. 
You know, most pediatricians have very little knowledge of uh, gender dysphoria or gender identity because it's often not taught in their training. And so, once again, this is something that is taught in mental health, but you have to find the right person for this kind of a disorder. You know, the majority of children treated by those with expertise in this area are able to embrace the goodness of their masculinity or their femininity. And many of them integrate both of them into their life and identify either with their own sex or once again, if it's predispositioned in who they are, they identify with the opposite sex and move that direction. But the the point is you want them to make peace with it. You need them to make peace with whatever choices they make. You know, children are both uh, born with a drive to seek love and seek acceptance from both parents, as well as siblings and their peers. And if this is need is met, children develop an acceptance of their masculinity or femininity. So when this developmental task is successfully completed, you know, the child is free to choose their gender atypical activities. Boys and girls with gender identity problems are not freely experimenting with gender atypical activities. They are constrained by deep insecurities and fears and are reacting against the reality of their own sexual identity. And usually, as a result, failing to experience love and acceptance from the parent of the same sex. So obtaining a history, if you're going to treat this, of the child's emotional development and of their relationships with each parent and same-sex parents, peers and parents, uh, the parent's marital relationship and how... Uh, they treat each other can affect how anxious the child becomes struggling with this. You know, uh, there's interventions that have been done that are very helpful, which is increasing the quality of time for bonding of the the parent that is the same sex of a child that is having this issue or uh, with a parent or with another adult that uh, can identify with this issue and can help discuss the issue with the person that's having this struggle. You know, uh, also, you want to increase affirmation of their gifts as a person, especially coming from the father or the mother of the same sex that they are. And also participating and supporting their their creative efforts is very important. And also uh, uh, coaching the child in a sense of choices and what is feminine, what is masculine and helping them understand what is feminine and what is masculine so they can make better choices. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit more about treatment. We're going to go back into parenting and we're going to also go into support and uh, rules for transgender people. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at drgbmft for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or drgbmft.com. Remember, drgbmft.com. The Compassionate Life is about... 
Just that. There are so many human beings who have made a name for themselves by being humanitarians. They have become individuals who are known for being selfless, kind, and compassionate. Host Dr. Brittany King is also one of these humanitarians. Each week she shares stories of kindness that she has experienced throughout the world, both as a contributor and recipient of these acts of love and kindness. Listen every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back. Okay, now we're talking about gender identity. Gender dysphoria is the actual diagnosis. But, you know, we have to understand something that's very important. That we have to really, when we do counseling, we have to really sort out, is this a fetish? Is this a a nonconformity? Is this a rebellion? Or is this homosexuality or is it gender dysphoria you know we have to differentiate that and that's very hard to do when they're still in the soup wondering where is us all coming from it it takes a lot of exploration and also if it's it's coming about in childhood it takes really good parenting and we've talked about some of the parenting but i'm going to give you some tools that are very important number one stop judging don't come to conclusions you know the first few years of life are a time for children to try out different gender roles and explore what it means to be a boy or a girl and that's normal Normal. And so you want to embrace that as a parent. So don't jump to conclusions because they're just forming who they are and it takes a lot of time. And I would suggest to you that a real adult, most people that are 18 are not real adults. 18 is now 32. That's when people actually begin to self-actualize and form who they are. Round 32, and that's amazing, but in this day and age, given all of the choices that people have to take their life in, that is the way it is because they have to sort through much more material, much more thought processes, much more direction because people have to become very uh, much experts in areas to survive in this life. So they have to identify who they are much more strongly. That comes more about at 32 in this day and age. They also, if you're a parent, you want to gather a lot more information, and that means open questions. What? What leads you to believe that this is where you want to go? How did you decide this? You know, these open type of questions give you more information. Don't judge what they say. Judge the process, not judge the process, get to the process. So gather information about what leads them to feel this way. Also, you want to avoid applying adult thinking to child's play. You know, young children are very creative and they move between fantasy and reality with considerable ease. So the idea, you know, if you're always coming down on the side of reality, you not you, you might you not be in tune with where your child's coming from. You know, you also may miss out on what your child might be trying to tell you. For instance, a girl might say she wants to be a fireman simply because 
She wants a Dalmatian. You know, a child may want to be the mommy when playing house because he doesn't get enough chances to be nurturing or in charge. So, you know, play with your child and you might be surprised by their true wishes. You know, determine the source of the problem when you're working with your child in this area. You know, if when a child steps outside with uh, uh, outside of gender stereotypes, it's often not a problem that needs to be fixed. Instead, parents might need to adjust their thinking about the situation. And, uh, you know, when their son uh, begins wearing uh, princess costumes, their, their first reaction was to limit the behavior, but is to limit the behavior. But after seeing how, how, how miserable they are and allowing themselves to play like this, you might realize that if you make more of it, then they make more of it. If you don't make more of it, it goes away. You also want to prepare your child for what to expect. You know, if your child wants to make uh, strange choices outside uh, the home or in front of other people, you know, tell them what reactions they might encounter. Prepare them for what the world may uh, uh, offer them if you have a boy wearing a Minnie Mouse costume. Also, you want to consider talking to an expert like a therapist or somebody like that so that you can get inside an understanding of how to work inside your child's head, how to get to know what's going on with them. And you also want to remember, you're not alone. There are a lot of people out there to reach out to. So, you know, you have to look at what you need to support yourself, and that is to consult, 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 and that will help you guide your child. You know, uh, also, you know, unpleasant feelings, you know, coming to terms with uh, people's uh, gender identity is a very lengthy and difficult process, and it's not just for the person going through the transition. It's also romantic partners of transition, uh, transgender people commonly experience feelings of confusion, betrayal related to the nature of change, and, and because many transgender people go decades of their lives before coming to terms with their condition. And it can feel as though it's a hugely important piece of information has been concealed with malicious intent by the partner that's receiving the information. So questions can also be uh, raised regarding a transgender person's sexual orientation with some partners wondering if their relationship was established as a way for a gender uh, transgender person to pass a normal a member as a normal member of society and parents and uh, partners of a transgender person can also feel as though they have failed in some way and somehow contributed to gender dysphoria so it's very important to understand that these feelings are natural and should be discussed openly if the relationship is going to endure also understanding the issue in addition to the depression and anxiety that transgender people often have to deal with as a part of their condition, there is also specific social stigma associated with being transgender. You know, despite huge advances um, in this issue, those who do not easily fit into society's rigid gender binary often face discrimination in the workplace. And uh, so, you know, 41% of transgender people attempt suicide at one point in their life, which is extremely sad. And, and as such, it is uh, imperative that friends and family and romantic partners of transgender people understand that someone coping with gender dysphoria is dealing with 
just as much pain and confusion as their loved ones, and they're in great need of love and support and understanding. You know, uh, help from friends and family for transgender people. You know, family and friends of transgender people play an important part of helping their loved ones cope with this dysphoria. And that's why it's so important to be uh, armed with as much information as possible. And even people with the best intentions can cause harm by using outmoded language, such as the word uh, queer or uh, uh, transvestite, you know, whatever. You want to be a little bit more open to discussing it and let them identify who they are. You know, so here's some rules for a transgender girl. You know, dating a transgender girl is just like dating anyone else. It requires the same level of respect, empathy, and love you should show anyone. So if you have dated a human being before, then you have already have everything you need to date a trans girl. So if you haven't dated a human being before, go and live your life. <laughs> you also know, have to know uh, what trans means. I'm a, a, if the, they are a trans girl, which means that their gender assigned to them at birth was incorrect, you need to understand that you have to accept that. And, uh, and when you're dating them, you have to be able to openly discuss that. Also, sexuality and gender are very separate things. You know, uh, some people uh, have dated boys, dated girls. Others have dated uh, only one gender or only the opposite sex gender and have never dated their own gender. So, you know, this is something that their, their sense of attraction needs to be a discussion. And it's a very open discussion to have because that's how you are able to cross the fence and really get to know who they are. You know, you have to also be open about who you are and what you want and try not to be overly fixated on genitals. You know, some, some girls have penises. You know, if they're transvestites, they have penises. And, and if they've crossed over and had surgery, they have penises. So, you know, you, uh, you have to understand that their sense of sexuality is going to be very, very different than your sense of sexuality. Also, you try not to be overly uh, fixated on their being a transsexual. Um, that is something that is very unattractive to them. They want you to look at them as a person. That's what they've always wanted. They don't want you to identify them by the sex they identify. They want you to identify with them as a person. Their sexual identity has always been a struggle. The last thing they need is a partner who is struggling with their gender identity. Also, you know, if, if she feels like she's a girl, she is a girl. Treat her like a girl. Be with her as a girl. You know, don't be with her because uh, it's, uh, you're curious. That's very harmful. You want to, if you're going to be with her socially and she feels she's a girl, be with her as a girl. Uh, you know, treat her like you would treat any girl. Fancying, you know, if, you, if you're attracted to her or if you're just curious or whatever, you're just trying, you know, that doesn't make you gay. That doesn't make you gay if you, if you dated a transgender person. What it means is, is that you're willing to be open and understanding that they're a human being and it's possible that you could be attracted to them. You know, also you want to be educated if you're going to date a transgender person. You want to be very educated and you uh, want to understand that it's not a secret to them. And you do not need to make it a secret. Now, if you're dating a, a transgender guy, uh, once again, it doesn't make you gay. And it, and it isn't the best of both worlds. And you don't want to go into it trying to get the best of both worlds. 
And uh, not all transgender guys are into girls, uh, but some are into girls. So you need to understand that, that is more social for them. Or maybe they're bi, maybe they're somewhat confused and they can go both directions. Not all of the guys have surgery and they're not all on hormones and sex isn't scary to them. You know, if it's, it's understandable if you feel nervous before the first time with a transgender person, but then again, it's nerve wracking with anyone. So, you know, just because you're going into something to explore with them sexually, you need to understand that, hey, you know, I got to be open about this. It is scary to be with somebody for the first time, anybody, any type of sexual situation. Also, uh, you also have to understand that transgender people have a sense of humor. And you've got to be open and allow for that humor to come forward. And uh, also, some of them are pretty boring people. And that also has to be accepted, you know, that as a human being – that doesn't leave them without all the human being qualities just because they identify with the opposite gender doesn't mean that they don't have the quality of being a boring person. Uh, deep down inside, all of us are kind of boring <laughs> at times. <laughs> also, we have to look at people that have a partner in transition, you know, uh, you know, from the you know from the idea of people that are in tra- transition you want to make sure that is something that both of you are on board with that something that both of you have really discussed and what the state of your relationship is going to be once they m- make it over to the other gender transition you know um also you want to discuss if you're going to stay together whether you're going to have children and uh, you have to discuss how you're going to uh, socially identify yourselves. And, uh, you know, are you going to be okay? Are you, and what's your sex going to be like? How are you going to go about intimacy? What is going to be intimacy for you? How are you going to cope with uh, people looking at your partner differently and you differently for being with that partner? You know, what is that going to be all about? What is work going to say? What are the people in your life going to say? Do you have to... Uh, are they going to accept it? How are they going to accept it? And and what you're willing to take in sense of their perception and the consequences, especially when you're dealing with family. Also, looking at sex with a transgender person, sex regardless of who you have it with, should always involve a lot of conversation. And you need to get on the same page and establish what each person wants and needs. That is critical. Um, also, uh, sometimes the conversations lead up to sex uh, look a little bit different with this transgender stuff, depending on your bodies, your preferences, your identities, the sexual histories, their kinks, their fetishes. They need to be asking specific questions to make sure that everyone is having a good time in a transgender sexual uh, role. Also, and is sex having sex with transgender. Also, uh, Conversations may be very difficult, especially in the beginning with your partners, but you want to make it a very normal conversation. You don't want to make it a heightened con. So you want to set the tone of how to have the conversation. You always want to leave the assumptions at the door. You also want to make conversations about pleasure and not parts. And you want to also know where boundaries are in the sexuality. And you also need to learn what kind of language, you know, what kind of pronoun, what do they want to be called, a male, a female, he, she, it, whatever. I mean, that you want to understand what they want for sexuality. And you also ha- want to have a plan. And also you want to be very positive 
about your sex life. That is huge. And, and that your sex life is your sex life with each other. And it's nobody's business. And you need to make it nobody's business unless you guys really want to go out there and, and um, make the world know what you're doing. But really, it should be behind the closed doors. It should be about your life and your sexuality. Okay, that's our show. Our next show is called Freaking Prejudice. Yes, it's about prejudice and what it is. I want to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you. Get your feedback, drgbmft at sbcglobal.net or Twitter at drgbmft. Now, remember, it might be inappropriate to answer Bruce Jenner as your favorite X-Men character. Also, remember, if your prison cellmate is transgender, you hit the jackpot. That's our show. Thanks for listening. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. We'll be right back.